Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. The Savachi syndrome, I'm telling you, I'm like, well, holy shit, that was crazy. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Moto Aftermath Show, presented by TLR Coatings and Liat Protectives. As you can see, I am here solo in studio because, well, uh, let's face it, we're three adults and we have a hard time getting together and I have a hard time with technology, so phones and everything else is, is tricky. Um, but anyway, so we're just going to fly solo on this show. Uh, so first off, would just like to thank our sponsors, TLR Coatings and Layout Protectives. Uh, make sure to check them out. Links in the description below to both of them. Uh, we are wrapping up here round 14, uh, which was in Nashville. First time Supercross has ever been in Nashville at Nissan Stadium there where the Titans play. And uh, we actually got lucky. We didn't have any weather move in like we thought we were going to. The track was actually dry and dusty in practice. They then proceeded to dump a bunch of water on it and actually made it turn really good for the night show. Uh, more of a West Coast track than an East Coast track. Very hard packed. Uh, but again, a tricky, we'll call it tricky track. Wasn't necessarily one line. Lots of uh, bowl 180 turns, which made things super helpful. And... Uh, made the racing pretty good also there were some big rhythms you could do some three four threes some you know big quads uh some big three threes um so there was lots of different change-ups and a couple of whoop sections one bigger one shorter one and it made the night very very interesting as the whoops did take casualties for the night but we'll get into that as we continue on before we move too far on in the show though here just want to take a few minutes um again if you could like subscribe comment down below here it really helps us out if you don't want to watch us on YouTube, you can watch us on Facebook. If you don't have time to watch us, you can always listen to us in podcast form on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can follow us on all the major social media networks, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at the Moto Aftermath Show. Um, if you want to help support the show, teespring.com uh, for t-shirts, link down below. You can click the links in the description down below for the Amazon. Uh, it'll take you to Amazon. You don't have to buy what we link you to in Amazon. You can pretty much buy anything in Amazon beyond that. We get a small slice of it. Helps keep the lights on here. If you want to just donate money, we'll send you, um, I don't know, maybe this hat, maybe this shirt. I'm not really, I'll send you something. Uh, if you just want to donate via Patreon, again, links in the description down below. Um, and that pretty much wraps up the opening segment of the show here. Again, I'm flying solo, so it's pretty much just my thoughts and apparently I don't know anything. So, like I said, I thought the track was good. The racing was good. Now, whether or not it was because there were crashes or whether or not it was because the racing was actually good, yeah, that's up for debate. Comment below what you think. But anyway, let's jump into 250s and we'll see what we come up with. let's start off with the 250s big news of the night 
Austin Forkner does not ride. Uh, we've been watching this all year. He pushes it to the limit in practice, and no surprise, it jumps up and bites him every single week. Now, most of these times he's been able to get up, but as I've been preaching all year, at some point this was going to bite him, and he wasn't going to be able to get up from it, and Nashville, round 14, happens to be that time. Uh, he took a header off of the bike, kind of over the bars, header flip thing in, pra in second practice, or I'm sorry, in first practice, uh, ended up hurting his knee, according to what I heard on the Mitch Payton interview, was supposedly just a stinger, came up for second practice, ran one lap of second practice, overjumped a jump, came directly into the pits, got off the bike, and went directly to his, to laying down on the ground, uh, obviously in pain, obviously couldn't do anything. Uh, when we started the night, we were told, actually the television guys were told, that he would be skipping the heat to hopefully only have to ride at like 50% for the LCQ to then hopefully make the main to hopefully salvage some points. Whew. However, after uh, the heat race, we got to the 250 LCQ and no Austin Forkner on the line. We were then told he was not riding all night. Um, what we later found out is he does have some sort of knee injury. We're not really sure to the extent yet. His MRI is scheduled for Monday. I'm filming this on Sunday. So we will find out very early in the week here whether he's going to be able to come back in three weeks when we go back to East Rutherford. Or is that all they wrote? Now, like I said, I've been preaching this all year. You cannot go that fast. You cannot wad it up in practice and just think that you're going to be able to do this every time find the edge go over the edge just slightly and get up and walk away from it he was trying to do that again and here we are now he could have possibly lost the title so this sets us up for a very interesting night austin forkner 26 points ahead of chase sexton going into the night and the winner gets 26 points chase sexton fastest qualifier wins his heat um looked like he was just on track to dominate all night and we were going to have a first time winner however party marty decided to show up this week martin davalos comes out wins his heat comes out in the main and with the good fortune which we will go over here in a minute gets by sexton and cooper and walks away from everyone now, it's really no surprise that Marty did this. Marty is a pass race winner. He should have won this title several, several times, but we won't get into that. So at the ripe young age of 32, and according to statistics from wherever on the Supercross show, they said that he was not the oldest 250 winner. John Dowd had beat him by about eight months, six months, eight months, six months, I think it was. Um, so second oldest winner ever in the 250 class. But uh, again... It was, uh, it was Heat Race Marty showed up in the Heat Race, and Party Marty showed up in the mains, and he was partying. He walked away t over 10 seconds by the end of the main. Um, and we can just, I guess, get into it, the Sexton and Cooper thing. Start of the 250 main, Sexton and Cooper, both out in front, battling, going back and forth. Corner before the whoops, I believe it was. Cooper comes up the inside of Sexton and takes him all the way to the bales. Now, do I have any problem with him taking him all the way to the top of the corner? Absolutely not. I want to see a good fight. These two are the title favorites outside of uh, Forkner here. If Forkner's hurt, no problem with the battle. 
What I have a problem with, he not only took him to the bales, he took him and himself down. Cooper, this was a rookie move. Absolute rookie move. No doubt about it. You cannot go in and take your main competitor for this title down at this point like that when you guys have the possibility of going 1-2 in the race and instead of being 26 and I think Cooper was back another I don't know how many points um, but instead of being 30 points back you guys could be within 5 points of each other for the lead or for the championship instead Cooper takes out himself and Sexton they both have to battle back from the back Sexton gets second Cooper gets third you could tell there was definitely some tension on the podium haven't watched the press conference yet to know for sure um but the tension was definitely there. That was definitely Chase's race to lose. Obviously, he did lose it. Uh, however, not on his own doing. I fully hold uh, Cooper accountable for this one. Um, it's just, it's a sad state of affair because Martin did exactly what he needed to do to help his teammate out, which was win. If he could win, he could take points away from Sexton and Cooper, which he did. Um, now, like I said, Sexton did manage to get back to second place on the night, and so he's only five points down. The problem being now, as we go into the final two rounds, East Rutherford and Vegas, if everything's okay with Fortner, and he can ride, um, he'll still probably win this title by over 10 points. Well, maybe not over 10 points. He'll win it by maybe, say, 10 points. Um, because Vegas is the shoot is another shootout. However, if he can't ride it, then it doesn't really matter, but I'm very disappointed in Cooper's decision to take both him and Sexton out. I feel like it was a very bad decision. I feel like he should have shown a little more patience and maybe I, I know it's hard for me to say because I don't get paid this big, the big bucks to race, but looking at it from an outsider's perspective of someone who's, we'll call it older than these kids. The patience aspect going okay big picture i can go out of here and be say less than 10 points behind sexton or i can take us both out and we're still behind forkner i don't know on the up hand it takes skill to do what forkner's done forkner misses a complete race and is still five points ahead of everyone else that's pretty good especially in a short uh, 250 regional series. So that was pretty much the main things that happened in the 250 race. I mean, I'm sure there was other stuff, but again, I'm only one man. I can only watch so much. I could go through who finished where, but there's really no point. So let's move on to 450s, which again, action packed. Okay, 450s. Let's just jump right off the bat here with Kenny's bad luck continues. Kenny cannot buy a win. I swear Ken Roxon cannot buy a win. We have last week, he starts out, comes out, wins main number one in the Triple Crown in Houston in dominating fashion. 2017 Kenny fashion. He is going away. Second race, gets in a first turn pileup breaks a toe or something, does something to a toe, can't ride the second main, third main comes out, doesn't have a good finish, and it's just a horrible weekend at the end. This weekend, same thing, comes out, looks great, top qualifier, 
wins his heat race, comes into the main, and kind of shits the bed on the start. But again, two laps in, he is making moves. He is up well inside the top five. He is making moves. He's following Savachi right to the front. And coming out of a rhythm section, Savachi goes into the corner, pushes the front, goes down literally right in front of Ken Roxon. Nothing Kenny can do. Kenny immediately grabs the brakes, <coughs> flips over the front, bike down. Kenny's over the berm. That's all she wrote. He did get up and fight his way back to eighth place. But again, what does Kenny have to do to buy a win at this point? I mean, the guy is literally... He's one of the fastest 450 riders out there, if not the fastest 450 rider in Supercross out there at this point, and yet cannot buy a break between the sicknesses this year. Uh, the first part of the year, I thought he did great. He was right there, could have won several races, obviously didn't. This one, again, there's no doubt in my mind. Ken Roxon, Savachi doesn't push that front end, doesn't have a Savachi syndrome moment because, let's face it, it's Savachi. He always does. Um, Kenny wins that race last night, hands down, going away. No questions asked. Tomac doesn't get to him. Tomac doesn't have anything for him. He, Kenny, by the time Tomac gets to the front, Kenny is five-plus seconds out. But, once again, we didn't get to see that. And at some point, he will win. He will. Uh, if you watch the Moto Spy series, which if you don't watch it, you should check it out. It's on the Red Bull Motorsports channel, I want to say. Um, they talk to Kenny's dad, um, and Kenny's dad basically says, this is back, uh, about the week of Daytona, basically says, I didn't expect him to do any of this this year. I expect this year to be a completely rebuilding year, and we would see him over the next two to three years really come back and start to dominate. So it's interesting to see that even the people in Ken's corner didn't expect Ken to do what Ken's been doing. Um, now as far as title contenders here obviously cooper webb is basically running away with this cooper webb again having another off night amazingly pulls a whole shot in the main and then proceeds to fall back a couple spots still ends up in third extends his points lead to 21 over eli and marv who are tied now um and i mean if you don't think coop is going to win this at this point he's won titles before i know it was the 250s but still he knows how to manage a title and at this point if you look at him he is managing this title and he's going to manage this title all the way to vegas um if he doesn't wrap it up in new york which the only way i see him not wrapping it up in new york with as up and down as eli is and as wild as Marv's last few weekends have been would be if he crashes and I don't necessarily see that unless he runs into some of that Kenny luck um which could happen absolutely could happen uh now the next two on the list here going down second and third in points tied Marvin Muskan Eli Tomac Eli Tomac had an Eli Tomac night he went out got a decent start and started driving forward and there was no stopping him and he just won it going away um, <clears throat> but when you look at it, Tomac track, hard pack, slick, um, definitely could ride the bike as hard as he wanted to around that place. And he did. And it showed. And again, doesn't change the mental status that is Eli Tomac. Um, it just makes him, you know, put a fourth win in the books, but again, four wins and he's still down 21 points to the guy who's leading the championship. There's just too many. His off weeks are way too off. Even James Stewart said it in his interview, 
Eli Tomac was the one person he was worried about coming up. Speed-wise, he thought Tomac had him. Uh, Mental-wise, nope. And it shows, but I feel like Tomac has a couple more good years left in him um, before he's really going to just be outdated and not be uh, the the title contender that he technically is right now. Um, But until he figures out this mental status of his, which is one week he wins and the next week he gets eighth... It's hard to really, really pick him for a title going into any season. Now, the other guy who is tied for second in points, Marvin Muskan, just another rough night for Marv. Lap two, jumping through the whoops, catches a hard edge, and down he goes. He starts to work his way back up, and I think he crashed one more time. Um, Not majorly, but definitely another tip over. So two tip overs, and still comes back for sixth on the night. Uh, I mean... You look at the bad luck for Marv started back three rounds ago when he jumped through that red cross flag. You lose seven points there. You get the win, but you lose the seven points. So you take the se- you put the seven points back, and now all of a sudden, instead of 21 down, he's 14, uh, which is much more doable in three rounds. Um, then you have last week, he had that uh, uh, Coop just basically pushed him all around last week. And he did manage to get on the podium, but still got pushed around by Coop. And now you have this week, he has two crashes in the main and <clears throat> ends up sixth. It's just, it's turning out to be one of those years where, as they say on the Pulp Show and Weege in specific, when it's your year, it's your year. And right now, it is Cooper Webb's year. No doubt about it. No questions asked. No strings attached. It is Cooper Webb's year. Um, he is just getting everything to go his way. So... Other honorable mentions for the 450s, uh, Zach Osborne, good night, ended up fifth, so first top five, so that's good. I feel like the Osborne train here is building momentum, even though Justin thinks it's not. Uh, Osborne definitely building momentum. Now we've get, definitely got some, uh, some we'll call it fatalities in the 450 class where we're missing some people, you know, Reed and Brayton, et cetera. So it is probably buffering the results slightly for Zach. However, um, going into the season, everyone thought Zach was going to do something like this. Like they thought he was, he had top five speed. Um, and so with missing the first like half of the season, basically this is, I think just kind of catching him up. So he's getting results. He's getting, you know, confidence built up. And I think it's going to bode well going into outdoors because he's a better outdoor rider for sure. So when we get into outdoors, I feel like this is going to help out a lot, especially if he can maintain getting say top five, top sixes here the last few rounds of the year, it's going to definitely help. Uh, another honorable mention, we'll round off our podium here. Uh, Baggett did work all the way up to second, but again, Baggett's another one. What is he doing? He goes second one week, next week he'll be 10th. He'll win the next week, and then he'll be 13th. Like His highs are high, and his lows are low, and there's just really no middle ground with it, and there's no telling what day it's going to be. It's just kind of if Baggett shows up and it's good, it's good. So that's pretty much all I have to talk about about this race. Obviously, um, I do comment back and forth with you guys, so please, please, please comment below, and uh, I'll be more than happy to chat back and forth with you. If you have thoughts and comments, Cole gets on there too. He'll definitely comment back. Uh, Sorry to everyone that usually likes to see this as a multi-person show. We are trying, um, but Justin just opened a pizza place and is running that full-time. I am super busy with the Codings Company. We are absolutely swamped. And Cole is out of town all week for his job. So that 
just leaves me to do this by myself here. Uh, we One more thing we can talk about, or actually two more things. Uh, number one, fantasy. Uh, I scored a solid 211 points on Pulp Fantasy. Uh, was not my best week picking. I kind of did it quick in a rush. I looked at it afterwards and went, ah, those picks aren't great. But uh, we did manage, like I said, to score 211, which is pretty low considering my last two weeks have been 292 and 301. I don't know where I am in the league. I don't know where I am in the overall standings. It's not great. Um, and then as far as moving on to next week, next week we are in another new open-air stadium in Denver. Uh, I have no idea what the weather's going to be like. I can assume that there's a good possibility it'll be bad, but so far we've had a pretty mild spring here in Michigan, um, and so I'm assuming everyone else is having a fairly mild spring, so hopefully, hopefully we'll get lucky and we won't have any issues next week. Um, but again, could be another mutter. We'll see as far as, and, and I can't even, I can't even, I don't even want to throw out predictions for next week, uh, race because who knows what the track was going to be like. I didn't think Nashville was going to be hard pack and slick. Um, so that was definitely interesting to see that. I have no idea what Denver will be. I w see, I would assume more because Denver, it's in the Rocky mountains. It would be Rocky hard, um, you know, hard pack track. It'll probably be soft and ruddy. I don't know. But uh, we'll see. Maybe, maybe Kenny's luck won't run out next week, and he can finally get a win. But I don't know. Anyway, this has been another episode of the Moto Aftermath Show presented by TLR Coatings and Liat Protectives. Uh, again, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, uh, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. Cole runs that. He tweets out stuff all the time. Click the links in the description below for Amazon, Teespring, and Patreon. Donate. Buy stuff. It'll be great. This has been another episode of the Moto Aftermath Show. We will see everybody next week after Denver.